unique in that no two people are the same, but, um, but the same in that we are all made in the image of God. Human life is special. You are not just another type of animal. You are God's masterpiece. So what does this have to do with Freedom Sunday, you might be wondering? Well, all of this is connected to IJM's mission statement, which is to protect people in poverty from violence by rescuing victims, bringing criminals to justice, restoring survivors to safety and strength, and helping local law enforcement build a safe future that lasts. IJM do this because they see and believe that each person has immense value. Each person is uniquely created by God. And not only that, but each person is created in his image. I think we can agree with IJM that not one single person should be enslaved, manipulated, trafficked, abused or exploited. Why? Because people are valuable. Because they are created in God's image. So this morning we're going to explore the concept of being created in God's image. Why it matters and what we can do to help organisations like IJM. And as we have our Pathway Kids in with us this morning, I thought we should get you guys engaged as well. So as we're exploring the idea of the image of God, talking to you now, kids, as we're exploring this idea of the image of God, draw for me something that shows who you are. Draw a picture that if someone who knew you saw it, they would know, without writing your name on it, they would know that you drew that picture. If I was going to draw some people, I'd draw a picture that told people who I was, I'd include things like the people that I love, my family, my hobbies, things that are a part of my life. Pardon? My dog? No, sorry. He's good, but not that good. Uh, so there is a good reason for this. By all means, stand up, grab this pens and um, pencils, sorry, and paper in the middle, and there's um, little clipboards and stuff scattered around. Feel free to stand up and move around and grab them. So there is good reason for doing this, and I'll explain that a little bit later on. But for now, kids, or big kids, feel free to draw, scribble, write, draw things that show who you are and what you will love. We'll come back to them at the end of the service. So while some kids are getting organised, and big kids too, I hope, some things to consider. If you're like most people when exploring the Bible, you might have some questions. What do you think it means to be created in the image of God? Does it literally mean that God has eyes, ears and a nose like us? Something else to consider is to look at where this Bible text is. You might notice that God created people in his image before everything went to custard and God's perfect world was tainted. Does that mean that we no longer bear the image of God today? What about injury? What about disability or some sort of physical problem with my body? Does that change the idea of being created in God's image. Now, I trust we can navigate this this morning in a way that's easy to understand and, uh, what God, and that God would speak his truth, not me. To do that, though, I'd like to kick off with prayer. So I'm going to pray quickly. God, you are almighty. You are all-powerful. You are the creator of everything. You formed us not like anything else in the world. May what is said and heard here today be of you, would you please guide our thoughts? Help us understand what it is you want to say today. Speak through the word. Speak through me. May you be seen, heard and experienced in a powerful way this morning. May you be glorified here, God, not me. 
And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's dig into the whole idea of humankind being created in the image of God. What on earth does that mean? Why is this phrase, the image of God, such a big deal? We see throughout the whole of creation account in Genesis that God is piecing his creation bit by bit. There is some incredible literary, that's a horrible word, literary stuff going on in this chapter of the Bible. The way that it's structured and the way that it's written, it's incredible. And I only have the tiniest idea of what's going on in it all. There is symmetry and structure everywhere in the first chapter of the Bible. Yes, it's a little harder to see in the English language, but it is still there. I won't go into detail into all about this now, but I do want to hover on the concept of human beings being the crowning jewel of creation. The whole creation story builds towards the creation of us, humans. The whole creation, created world is for us to have dominion over, to rule. Nothing else in creation is given authority. Nothing is given God's blessing. Everything else is described as simply good. Yet humans are described as very good, which, if I'm honest, sounds a little weak. It should probably be like super-duper, wonderfully awesome, great or something, not just very good. But anyway, the last thing to note is that nothing is labelled as being made in God's image. Humankind, so nothing else but us, is labelled as being created in God's image. Humankind is incredibly special and close to God's heart. What I've just said, though, they're my words. Let's look at the God's word quickly and see what it says. The passage that Noah and Naria just read, Genesis 1, 26 particularly, says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And then there's the infamous Psalm 139. For you, that's God, created my inmost being. You, that's God again, knit me together in my mother's womb. And your eyes, that's God's eyes, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And then Ephesians 2 verse 10 talks about how we, humanity, God's masterpiece. Humans are a big deal. So hopefully I've been clear and we can see that we are created quite a bit different to the rest of creation. To push this concept just a little bit further, I'd like to pull upon a good man that I don't know personally but love his work, John Piper. He says the following in a brief transcript in his website, I'm Desiring God. Well, you probably can't read it, but I'll read it to you. John Piper says this, In what sense are we the image of God? And historically, people have said things like our morality, our sense of right and wrong, our rationality, our ability to reason, our spirituality, our ability to relate to God, our aesthetic sense. You don't find too many monkeys creating the Mona Lisa. Or our judicial sense, the whole legal system that we have created, a sense of right and wrong, of justice and injustice. And I think, frankly, that all those are true aspects of what it means to be in God's image. But the simplest thing and the plainest thing, and in fact, for me, the most practical thing, and the way that it has an actual effect on my life is to say, images are created to image. If you create an image, you make a sculpture of someone. You do it to display something about that someone. You put it in the square in the middle of town and you want people to look at it, to notice it, to think about that person, think something about them. 
that they were noble or strong or wise or courageous or something. So the Bible clearly says that every person is God's masterpiece. Every person was knitted together in their mother's womb. Every person is seen by God. Every person is created in his image. We are created to reflect God's image, or as John Piper said, to image the image. That's easy enough to see in a cute little baby, right? Or a nice or a kind person. But what about Hitler? What about Putin? What about that school bully? What about people who abuse, traffic and take advantage of others? How is it that they are made in and reflect God's image? Which begs a question. Do we still have God's image? Perhaps some of you noticed or you knew this before today, but the passage we read this morning about being created in God's image is in the first chapter of Genesis. And it was before everything turned bad, before the fall, before sin entered the world. So the question is, are humans still made in God's image in this broken and sinful world? Was this image bearing lost when humans rejected God and sinned? Looking at the bad people today, and in history it's hard to see that God made them and ordained for them every day of their life. It's hard to see how God's love, mercy and justice are reflected in a horrible person's life. That's easy to point the finger at bad people, right? But if we're honest, we all know we suck from time to time. We all make mistakes. We all do nasty things sometimes. We don't always treat others with love and respect. To those bad people... They're not just out there, those that are out there who are enslaving and, and um, manipulating and taking advantage of vulnerable people, they're actually here in this room too. One of them stands right here speaking these words. I am a sinner, and frankly, so are you. The Bible says in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned, not some. No one is a perfect image bearer for God anymore. Not like we were meant to be originally, anyway. Whether you're involved in human trafficking or you're unkind to others sometimes. Perhaps you struggle with lust or anger or lying or anything not good. All fall short and none of us reflect God's image like we should. But that doesn't mean we can't reflect him at all. And again, it's not just me saying this. The phrase image of God is found throughout the Bible after sin and, and humankind damaged their image of God. In Genesis 9, verse 6, it explains how the significance of murder is largely because it involves the termination of an image bearer. And James 3, 9 uh, talks about our tongues and how with our tongues we can either bless or curse people, which ex then explicitly states as being made in God's image. So a good analogy I found while reading about all of this image of God stuff. It's a bit like the windscreen in a car. Not like the new ones we have today, the laminated ones, right? Not like that. Like the windscreens my, kid, my parents had when they were kids. <laughs> the perfectly clear windscreen. It's easy to see through. It deflects the wind and keeps the rain out. It does its job very well. The clear windscreen is a representative of God's perfect image bearer. But we aren't perfectly clear, unbroken windscreens anymore. Sin might have been that rock that got flicked up by that truck passing by. It completely shattered the glass. Not just a stone chip like the new windscreens doing through these days, but completely shattered. The window is still in place. If you look really hard, 
You can kind of see vaguely through it a tiny bit. And it kind of still keeps the wind off and the rain out to a certain extent. And it is still a windscreen. But it is broken. That is kind of how we image God today. After sin, we are broken or shattered. We still kind of function as image bearers and we're still able to see through it to a certain extent, but nowhere near what we should be. The beautiful thing about the Christian faith, though, is we don't stay broken. And the even better thing, it isn't even up to us to try and fix it. Because human life is so valuable, because God created humans so uniquely and specially, because we are made in his image, he does not just give up on us or throw us like a broken window into the garbage. Instead of placing us in the garbage, he placed his one and only son there instead. God loves us, broken windscreens, too much to leave us that way. He made a way for us to, to made a way to restore us, to fix our busted glass. It all comes back to a word said so often in church. Jesus. God places such value on our lives, so much value on us, that he didn't just turn his back and leave when we rejected him. Instead, he sent Jesus, his very own son, to take our place. If you ever doubt your worth, remember the God of the universe values you enough that he would give his own son for you. Jesus came to earth, lived the perfect life we could never live. He was a perfect sacrifice for our imperfect lives. He took our place on the cross. He took our sin, our judgment and our brokenness and defeated it there. Our broken windscreens can be fixed on the cross all because he loves you so much and wants you to be in his family. This does not mean we become perfect when we are Christians, but we are seen as perfect in God's eyes. Because when we believe Jesus died for us, God doesn't see us as broken windscreens or sinful anymore, but he sees Christ, perfect, pure and right. We can have a relationship with God only through Christ. So 1 John 4, 9 to 12 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God loves his created masterpiece, the crowning jewel of creation, his image bearers, humankind, you and me, so much. God wants to fix our shattered glass. God wants us to be in his family. God loves his people so much, I can't even begin to explain it in its fullness. Now, I'm not sure where you're at with this whole Jesus thing, but if it's all new to you, please see yourself as having immense value in the eyes of God. Please speak to me or someone else that you know here and trust this morning. I would, we would, we'd love to explore this with you. If you've heard this a thousand times, you've been coming to church all your life, be encouraged, be reminded of God's insane love for you. But also, take note of verse 11 in, John chapter, uh, in 1 John chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. 
God's love is not just for us to enjoy, but we're to love one another as well. So because you are created and loved by God in an intensely unique and special way, be encouraged. Now I know this sounds like such a generic church thing to say, but God loves you. God created you. God's image is reflected in you. You are his masterpiece. You doubt it? All of creation was made for mankind by God. And when we messed it up, think of what he paid for you to get you back again. Jesus, his son, willingly took the nails because you are so very much loved and valued by God. You do not come cheap into God's family. God paid a lot for you, but you are so worth it. Do you know what, though? It's not just you that's valuable. It means other people are too. God's masterpiece. It's not just you. It's not just me, but others as well. Because God loves us so much, we ought to love one another. It's not just Christians that have immense value, but all. That is why IJM cares so much about freeing people from poverty and violence. Because all people have immense value and because we have been loved much by God. We are charged, and rightly so, to love one another. Now, This can look vastly different for each person. person. Loving others can look like packing up everything to work with an organisation like IJM or the many others that do this. In other countries where slavery and corruption run rampant, to be on the front lines and serving God's image bearers there. Now, it's not for everyone, but even as a kid at school, you can play your part too. You can see the enormous amount of value in a boy or girl in your class who is often left out or doesn't have any friends or not just, and not just noticing them, but by doing something about it. Come alongside them, love them, encourage them, include them. They are God's masterpieces too. For those of us not in school, the same can be said for that annoying person you have to work with. They have incredible value and they are also created in the image of God. What about that person living on the streets? They might smell, they might have a drug and alcohol problem, but they do have immense value in the eyes of God. They too are created in God's image. They too have the opportunity to know God and have their shattered windscreen replaced with Jesus' perfect one. You have immense value. The person next to you has immense value. The person who's trafficked and sold into slavery and abused has immense value. And in a completely mind-blowing way, so does the person committing these terrible acts. Humanity is created in the image of God. We are so valuable to God. IJM knows this, and they do something about it. Will we as well? Think about putting into practice something this week. Check out the IJM stuff in the foyer. There's a little table out there. There's information and, and links and things to help you become part of the solution for freeing the enslaved. Commit to pray for them. Commit to give towards organisations, not just IJM, but maybe IJM. Look at how you can partner with them. There are millions of God's image bearers out there who are suffering injustice. You and I can and should be a part of fixing this. What about a little closer to home? This week, make a point to look out for that person who's down and out. Include and encourage them. Come alongside them, include, um, come alongside them, love them. Maybe that person is here this morning. 
Maybe they're at work or school tomorrow morning when you rock up. No, not school, because you're on holidays. Never mind. (laughs) God has lavished his love upon us. And who are we to withhold that? As we wrap this up, may we reflect God in all we do, as we were meant to be, as we were meant to image, sorry, may we reflect God in all we do, as we were meant to, as image bearers. Which brings me back to the very beginning. Kids, you haven't had long to draw, but I wonder, has anyone finished the masterpiece that they would like to bring up here and talk to me about it? Any kids? Oh yes, Briggs. What have you done, Regan? Oh, very cool. So I'll just show the people because you're only little. So Regan drew a box, a bunch of boxes. Each box has different things in there. What were they again, Regan? Uh, my favorite animal. My Your favorite animal? Hobby, my yeah. Friends and faith too. Very good. Thanks, Regan. It shows us who you are. Very good. Anyone else want to be brave? Any big kids do any drawing? Oh, yes, yes. What have you got there, mate? Big loud voice. I did a, a Bible, um, my hobby, my family, and how Jesus died and rose up again. Okay, what's your hobby? Ah, soccer. Oh, soccer. Very good. Thanks, mate. Anyone else? Yes, Zaria. Big loud voice. I know you've got one. Thanks, Zara. Uh, sorry for those on Zoom. You don't get to see or hear that very well, but that's why you should be in the house if you can be. Anyway, I won't go there. <laughs> so, let me find my place here again. So just like these little pictures show a tiny bit of who their creator is, so we show a tiny little bit of who God is. So let's reflect him well this week as we go from here. Let's pray. God, thanks for not giving up on us, for loving us way more than we deserve. May we understand a little more, a little more freshly, a little more intensely of your love for us and for others. God, we are meant to image you, to show people who you are through our lives. Help us find tangible ways to do this. Maybe it's going to the front lines to free people from slavery. Maybe it's supporting organisations that do this already. Maybe it's simply including and loving those who aren't normally included or loved. God, help us understand the sheer enormity of your love for us, but not only us, for all of humanity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Keeping with the theme of being well ahead of schedule, we've got a song to sing, and I think that's it. So, <laughs> early minute all. Woohoo! We're going to stand and sing um, a song which, which really wraps up and um, summarises what Ryan's just shared with us. It's called Who You Say I Am. And um, 
It's about our identity in Christ. I should drag this out a bit, but <laughs> might get the sack otherwise. It's right, I'm not paid. <laughs> um, just a reminder, yeah, we've got a collection box at the back. If you wanted to drop a collection in, you would be welcome to do that. Um, so just in closing, I wanted to finish with um, stories of oppression a bit closer to home. I work as a psychologist and I run a group therapy program at a pathway shed, which is in East Devonport, called Brain Boot Camp. Over the course of the 15-week program, there are lots of conversations had with primary school age participants. Um, and I run it um, with a group of kids from East Devonport Primary School and then another group with children from other schools. But just thinking about that East Devonport group, um, I've heard stories about children living for months with their whole family of four in one room in a share house. Children who had the police barge in while they're in the bathroom and they had no clothes on and they were raided. Children whose families were evicted multiple times and now live with their family in a caravan 
And I don't know if you've seen one of the caravan parks in East Devonport, if you look down, it looks like a concentration camp. There's all these units at the back there, side by side, really close together. And they pay about $400 a week to live in those units. And that's all they've got because there's a rental crisis. And yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, children who are waiting to find out that day if their sole parent was going to be coming home that night or if they're going to be sentenced to jail for drug dealing. So in Luke 4 verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy. As followers of Jesus, we are called to do likewise. And we certainly don't have to travel far to find need. So, yeah. All right. Coffee time. Yeah.